Welcome to the Mastering the Mind podcast. Today we welcome our seventh guest to the podcast. Her name is Natalie Allport. Uh, Natalie is an athlete, entrepreneur, and former snowboarder for Team Canada. Natalie also works as a marketing consultant, being the founder of 93 Agency, working with athletes and brands of all sizes. Alongside her work, Natalie spends time training in CrossFit, competing in various competitions. Uh, she's also the host of the All In podcast, where she aims to give professional athletes and various inspirational individuals uh, a different field, a platform to tell us about their mindset, stories, and what it takes to be successful in their field or sport. In other words, what it takes to go all in. So let's welcome Natalie to the podcast. Hey. Hey, hey how's it going? Good. How about yourself? Oh, not too bad. Just uh, in this hot box that is my house right now. <laughs> Are you uh, in the office? <laughs> yes, and it is quite warm. <laughs> have you got the fan on or, or is that still downstairs? So we have like a fan downstairs in the living room, fan in the bedroom. Then there's like a ceiling fan in this room, but it sounds like literally uh, airplane's going to take off. So we've <laughs> never really used it. So yeah. I'm scared to even like touch it or turn it on. Yeah, it's, it's, it's getting pretty warm over here down in Europe uh, at the minute. Um, I'm in Belgium right now and it's it's like cloudy, but very humid right now. So it's like it's taking all my energy away. <laughs> I'm wrecked. Seriously, been, you have to like drink so much, like electrolytes, everything. Yeah. Not for sure. Yeah. I've been I've been working all day in, in the sun. I've just finished it an hour ago, and uh, yeah, it's, it's not even been clouds here. It's just been sun straight on me, like on my back, just grinding. Yeah. Yeah. Natalie, what do you think of this tan? <laughs> uh, I'm a very fair, fair boy. <laughs> I just burn. I don't brown. Yeah. No, no, but thanks so much for coming on. I really appreciate uh, you taking your time to, to kind of share your story with us. Um, but uh, we kind of start the podcast with with our guests to kind of like maybe for you to kind of introduce yourself to us and like talk about your background. I know you've probably done this a million times already, but for our listeners, I'm sure it'll be it'll be super helpful. So. Yeah, yeah. So I am living over in Canada, uh, near Ottawa, which is like the capital of Canada. Most most people don't know. Actually, yeah, no. surprisingly, more Europeans know than like um, you, Americans. Americans are like, I never heard of Ottawa. I'm like, it's literally the capital. Yeah. But okay, they think it's Toronto or Vancouver, yeah, exactly, yeah. right? Um, I mean, to be fair, Toronto has our only NBA team, so <laughs> that's probably Raptors. Go Raptors. Yeah. <laughs> yes, go Raptors. That's the only thing the Americans know. So they, they don't know the other cities. But yeah, I, I pretty much grew up here for most of my life. But I was actually born on the West Coast in Vancouver. Um, and that's where I kind of grew a love for snow sports and the mountains. I lived there until I was five. So I actually was on skis when I was like two years old. And uh, then we moved to New Jersey for two years and then to the Ottawa area, basically from then until now. And I started playing hockey. So hockey was my main sport growing up in school. I kind of played like every single sport that I could. That was like my whole life for fun. And in school was just to be part of every single sports team. Um, so did that. Eventually, my parents like you really got to choose a sport because it was pretty easy to see that my path was in athletics, but it was hard for me to decide what it was. Um, so hockey was kind of like that one that took over. So played competitive hockey. Um, and then at, I think it was 12 years old, I discovered snowboarding. Um, I had picked up a skateboard. I think when I was like eight, I wasn't very good at it at all. Um, but it looked cool. And then again, going back to how I started skiing when I was two, I was like, Oh, this looks like a cool merge of the both. Um, and all the cool kids in my school were snowboarding. And so I wanted to be cool. So I was like, I'm going to learn. 
Um, so yeah, pretty much just put on a snowboard and never look back. I was really horrible at the start and it drives me crazy because I, like I took my boyfriend out this winter and in like three times he's like turning fine, doing all these things. I was like, you know, it took me like two, two, three years to like turn even. So I did not pick it up quickly. Like most sports came pretty naturally to me, but snowboarding was hard. And I think that's why I liked it because it was a challenge. And so eventually I tried to manage hockey and snowboarding and then basically had to make a decision and ended up kind of going all in on snowboarding to the detriment of my parents because hockey is our national sport. Hockey has like a scholarship pathway and I was no good at snowboarding. So they didn't understand how I was leaving competitive hockey for, especially at the time, like slope style snowboarding that I did wasn't even in the Olympics yet. So they didn't really understand that, but I just kind of went all in and then by the end of kind of my high school was when I started kind of making waves in the snowboard scene, ended up at 17, getting onto the junior national team and then spent four years doing that. And then uh, narrowly missed out on the 2014 Olympics, dealt with a lot of injuries, different things with mental health and ended up stepping away from the sport in 2015, which is one of the hardest things that I ever had to do and uh, jumped into the sport of CrossFit because I had taken it up kind of as a way to stay fit and strong during the off season, the season prior um, dived headfirst into that. And then the last two years, I kind of hurt my shoulder when I was over in Bali after a big uh, competition I had in China. And so I've just been rehabbing that. And then of course the pandemic happened. Um, so now I'm just managing business training life and, uh, seeing how this recovery takes me. If, uh, hopefully maybe I'll be back on the competition floor soon, but we'll see. <laughs> That was one of the best uh, overviews that I Literally. think I've had uh, we've had on the podcast. Like you've covered everything there. Um, but just taking it back to sort of the the start of like when you was growing up. Sort of what? How come you were so sporty? Like, did your parents compete in any sports, or uh, what was the main uh, inspiration behind that? Yeah, I, I actually I have no idea where it really came from. I was a firstborn, so I have a younger brother. Um, as a kid, I was definitely like a, a tomboy. Um, actually when I was young, so my brother was born when I was, uh, just before I turned three and people would come over and say, uh, we want to go see the, the little boy who's here. So he would get all the attention. So I started answering the door saying, my name is Nathan instead of Natalie. <laughs> so that, that people would give me uh, attention because they were always coming over for him, which drove me crazy. So I don't know if it was something like that, like sports were where I kind of got attention. Cause I was, um, pretty quick and good at them. Um, but also like, I think my dad, he, uh, he never played like high level of sports, but he played like competitive hockey and football in college. And he's from a small town. So pretty much the only thing to do there is play sports and high school sports. So from an early age, he was always, you know, challenging my uh, agility, doing like little strength things. He'll tell you now that it was like training, but back then I'm like, I think you just say that now that I'm an athlete, but then it would just like playing for fun. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we, we kind of played just like every sport. I don't know if it, I think it just came naturally. Cause I always joke with him. I'm like, when I get a kid, that kid's going to be an athlete. He's like, what if they're just born like a book nerd? And I was like, well, that's fine too, but they're going to be like the best book nerd. <laughs> yeah. But, um, I think, you know, just based on how he answered that question, I think it was because I was just kind of naturally born to, to be an athlete just from how I seem to take interest in maybe throwing a ball or doing different things. Um, but also, yeah, they just kind of wanted to get us outdoors and um, into playing. Like we never owned any video game system growing up. They never let us. So I'm horrible at video games, which sucks because esports are now <laughs> the thing and yeah, yeah. you don't get injuries uh, other than carpal tunnel. So yeah. if only I was still good at that, maybe that would be my thing, but that's why we spent so much time outside just playing. 
Yeah, no, but it wasn't just sports. Like, what was the main inspiration behind you being an entrepreneur? Like, I saw you as uh, hustling in school, selling gum <laughs> and all this. I was yes, reading on your website, like, you was hustling. So what was the main, like, what got you into that? Yeah, well, so my dad is an entrepreneur. So I oh, think yeah. seeing that he could, like, be at home with us. I mean, there was times where obviously he had to take calls or do whatever. But my, while my mom had to go out and go to work, he was always, like, home and around. Um, and so I thought that was pretty cool. I saw the freedom was pretty cool. Also, like I had ADHD and uh, apparently that's like pretty linked with entrepreneurship because oh, yeah. I just did not like to like sit there and be told what to do. Like I could never picture my life in an office. So I was always like, I'm going to be an athlete and then backup plan. Oh, I'm going to be an entrepreneur because I don't want someone <laughs> to tell me what to do. So I think that's kind of where it started. And then I just wanted like my parents always made me pay for everything. Um, like to buy my first snowboard took me like a year to save up. My first skateboard was like something, I think it was like 14 bucks from Toys R Us, but it still cost me like a year or it took me like a year to save up because my allowance at the time was like 25 cents. Um, so like they, because they made me like pay for everything, it kind of instilled this hustle where I'm like, well, what is like my little hack to get some more money? Um, cause they didn't pay for chores or report cards or anything. So I'm like, okay, I got to go out and do something. So yeah, lemonade stands, selling gum. Like I would just do anything so that I could like buy the food that I wanted or, um, yeah, buy like the skateboard or the snowboard that I wanted. Yeah, for sure. Like I, I really see that kind of creative side of yours also like on social media, I feel like you have a really good platform on Instagram and like we discovered you on TikTok actually and we're really proud of that because <laughs> Oli actually commented one of your videos and we got loads of likes on it. Probably, <laughs> our, t- probably our TikTok career highlight. Like Exactly. <laughs> I want to know. It was, it was the, the hill one. The, um, it was like uh, what, what exercise you were doing when you were... Um, you were doing oh, hill yeah. sprints and it hill started sprints. snowing. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I got like 500 likes and it's like, we've never even touched close to that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's so awesome. That was, uh, yeah, I, I made one video with that concept and then it kind of took off. So I started kind of putting in like old exercises I used to do. Um, Cause like when I was 16, I would go to the local hill. And like, what's so funny is some people commented on the video and they're like, they would, they actually knew where it was. And I was like, how cool, because like my parents still live in that area. It's only like half an hour away. And um, that's literally the hill that I would like be like 15, 16 and going and running. And still to this day, if I go back, then I'll go and run it again. But that video is actually from last spring. It was like super warm, sunny. I biked there in the sun. And then as I did like one hill sprint, I came back down. I think there's a video where it's like super clear. Um, And then it just started snowing out of nowhere. And so then I thought, how epic is this? This is so cool. Because you feel like whenever you run the hills, you feel like Rocky, like Rocky Balboa. And um, so then when all of a sudden it started snowing, it just like made it feel even, even better. So yeah, yeah, that was kind of a weird experience. But that explains the Canadian weather right there. Yeah, Our sports is like football. And I I don't know about you, but I love it when it starts raining, uh, like when it's cold in the evening. It just makes everything so much more dramatic. And like, you know what I mean? And especially football is like, you you need to like slide tackle a lot. So it's like, you're really into it, you know, like, so yeah. It has to start raining though, like during the game. If I'm I'm warming up in the rain, it's like, oh my God, I've got to play 90 minutes in this. (laughs) Right, you dread it when you go into it, but then when you get that that adversity while you're in what you're doing, it kind of like makes things more dramatic if you're in like the right right mindset when you started it out exactly so no, but i think like what your parents instilled in you there definitely um like built that sort of growth mindset that you talk about on, on your website and stuff like that's heavily like um installed it, it within you like yeah like ah, it's, it's so key so yeah. key yeah 
has that yeah. kind of helped you out like obviously it's helped you outside of sport having that kind of growth mindset would you say it's kind of helped you uh like in, inside the sport so like in, in crossfit because we'll come we'll come on to it later but has that kind of have you kind of noticed yeah it is it's been huge especially for crossfit and especially like for now because i recently did like a ted talk and it was on basically like the what i went through when i didn't make the olympics and like that concept of failure so what was so interesting was when i was writing it i was thinking about like how i had this result driven mindset and then transitioned into this growth mindset but like you guys just said like my parents did instill this growth mindset kind of subconsciously so it was like for some reason somewhere i lost it like i just got so focused on results um and then i found it again so it wasn't like this new discovery because now when i reflect back i was like wait a second, like when I was a kid, my parents didn't give me like money for good grades. They gave me like, they would kind of reward me just, you know, through praise or whatever, through effort. So for example, I would be the top hockey player on my team. And I would say, Hey, I want these brand new skates. And my dad said, these skates are like $800. We can't afford to give you these skates. He's like, but if you like show, like you do all the strength training all summer, you do all these things, like then maybe we can consider upgrading your equipment. But like the most the, the main thing to focus on is like your effort and you putting it in like this equipment isn't just going to give you some results you have to put the work in yourself so that was kind of a big lesson and then same thing where like there was kids at my school who easily got you know a grades and for me i was gifted a gifted student so i it was pretty easy for me in school and so my parents never rewarded me for that because it wasn't something that i was working hard to it was like i was naturally born with that so they would try to point out examples of for example if i started slipping up in a course that i didn't care about they would praise me if like i worked my way back up rather than the courses that i literally just never did the homework and got an a they weren't gonna be happy about that because i didn't put the effort in versus you know i could also see my brother he didn't um things didn't come as naturally and i saw as he worked he was getting all this praise so then i'm like well how come he's getting all this praise when i'm getting all the a grades or i'm making all these sports teams are like but he's working at it like he's even working mm-hmm. And then getting cut from the team, that's still better than, you know, just naturally being gifted and just making it. So they really put an effort into showing me examples of what it means to have a growth mindset and to like focus on the effort rather than the results. I think it just took a while for it to really, really sink in for me just based on, especially when you're in the athletic world, right? You start getting praise more and more on your results. Um, You start ignoring some of those weaknesses, but when it comes to CrossFit, like you have to be kind of good at everything and you can be, for example, I'm pretty strong at like weightlifting, but that doesn't matter if I can't run 5k for anything, you know, like if I go 5k and I'm going to be five minutes behind the top competitors, then what was the point of coming in the top two in a weightlifting event? It doesn't matter. So you always have something to work on and you've got to really focus on that progress and i think that goes for anything with the gym right like no matter what sport you do or just you're someone who goes to the gym and you're like you're not going to see that progress right away i think it's just such a great um kind of example from sport or from the gym into life so i definitely recommend like anybody get into the gym because it'll teach you those lessons that you might not have just in everyday life oh yeah so true you actually mentioned something really important was like praising the 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 process and we actually did the podcast on mindset didn't we all and yeah. we kept we kept repeating this to people because obviously it's not it's already a topic that we talk a lot about but it's getting more and more recognition and also you mentioned that your parents played a huge role and this is something we didn't know at all about before our studies this year that parents actually have a huge huge role in installing this growth mindset so mm-hmm. what your experience there like provides evidence of all the research that has been conducted so yeah it's kind of cool to see that 
Yeah. Uh, I bet at the time as well, you like, you were so frustrated with your parents, like, yeah. oh, what the hell, like, come on. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, you sort of reflect back. It was the same with me, sort of my, my dad instilling like this work ethic in me and like mum was through like landscape, landscaping and just uh, labouring for him. And yeah, it's taught me everything and I've sort of transferred that now into, into everything that I do into my studies. So it's definitely key to sort of have that developing through you for, from young. Yeah, I definitely agree. Like, I think, I mean, there's some growth mindset for parents books, I think out there now and stuff. And um, I think for coaches too, like to understand not to just, you know, praise the kid who just comes in and is immediately the best, right? Like, how do you build up a whole team of good athletes? Or how do you develop that athlete, um, you know, who just kind of reaches a plateau, and all of a sudden, they're going to feel failure the deepest, because they've only been rewarded at things they're naturally good at. And now they actually have to put in the work. Um, cause I definitely went through a lot of those, those things and get put in different situations. And so I am like really grateful now looking back at some of those things that my parents instilled in me. But like you said, it was definitely frustrating at the time. For example, I'm like, I want the snowboard. Like I need to go snowboarding. And they're like, no, you have to save up for yourself. Or, um, I want this new piece of equipment. And they're like, no, like you gotta, you know, put in the work and show the effort. And so I'm glad that I was, I've been able to now like reflect and like be thankful for those things and at least recognize them. Cause I think it's a hard job as a parent, right? Like imagine, I can only imagine myself as a teenager, uh, my poor parents, the things I, I put them through and not seeing these things that they're obviously trying to instill in me. And I'm just like pushing back. Right. So yeah, um, yeah now I try to thank my parents <laughs> because I feel bad for those years. Uh, it's crazy because obviously like us three were really knowledgeable about like the how the mind works and how sports works etc so i wonder when it comes to like our turn to become parents like we're going to be paranoid as hell like oh should i do this should i say that I... oh it's just gonna be hell oh yeah i know overthinking like crazy yeah. so i can see you have a snowboard in the background um and you kind of mentioned this already but let's take a, like take us through your your kind of uh career being a being a snowboarder back in the day what sort of yeah. age did you start? That, that, that's something 12. I'm interested in. Yeah, like 12. So I was okay. pretty like late starter because you see like 12 year olds who are pros now. <laughs> like seriously, yeah. it's so, uh, it's progressed so fast. Like I have friends who recently like won gold at X Games and different things and seeing the tricks they did now compared to like even five years ago when we were still teammates, we were at the same level. And I'm like, I, I, to be honest, like, I'm glad that I don't do it anymore. Like I miss it, but I'm like, I don't think I could have ever done like some of these tricks, like the doubles and all these things. I'm like, I don't know. Like, uh, it's hard to say, right. Cause when you're in it, then you, uh, things naturally progress, but definitely when you're out of it, like for someone, they would see like a basic trick that I do and be like, Oh, that's so crazy. And I'm like, well, it's not really crazy. Cause I've done it for like, you know, 10 years, but, um, but yeah, I learned that like 12, um, I wasn't good. Like I said, um, so it took a couple years of like playing high level hockey and then with high level hockey, you have no time to snowboard. Cause it's like every weekend, almost every weeknight. Um, so then eventually I was like, okay, I'm tired of just snowboarding twice a year. I want to actually like get into it. So I dropped everything to learn snowboarding and where I live, there's no big mountains. It's all like tiny Hills. So I basically learned on this hill, it takes like 20 seconds to get down. But the cool thing about like slope style is like, they didn't really have any big jumps, but they had some jumps, right. And they had some rails and like, you can practice on that kind of stuff all the time. And even though my family lived in a townhouse, there was three steps that I could propel myself, use my arms to get enough speed to hit this little uh, skateboard rail that my grandpa had built me. 
So I was able to like practice just basics, like how to do a 50-50, how to do a board slide, um, how to do like a 180 or a 360 um, off a little tiny jump. Like I could learn just little things. And I spent all my mornings before school, if it snowed uh, after school doing that um, until the point that then I wanted to spend more time at the hill. So I became an instructor so that my parents had like a good reason to drive me. Um, more than because they were kind of worried about snowboarding because it's such a like a especially back then there wasn't the Olympic track it was a rebellious sport if you look at the the pros in the sport especially it's like I wanted to be a pro all their video parts are like them drinking and partying and then snowboarding and they're like we don't want that for our daughter especially you were just on this hockey track like this is so different so they were really worried about me following under like a, a different path um so then getting this job at the hill kind of encouraged them to see like okay I'm making money they can drive me more so I spent pretty much all my weeknights and weekends doing that for a couple of years until I started entering some local competitions. Uh, I started winning. Usually there wasn't many girls that entered at the local ones. So I started trying to get my parents to drive me out further and further. Um, eventually I ended up graduating high school semester early so that I could get a job and go out to some competitions. So start going to competitions um, during the winter, during that when that second semester would have been, as well as then just getting a job so I could save up for snowboard camp. Um, and then that summer, uh, slopestyle snowboarding got entered into the Olympics. And then I got announced uh, that I got onto the junior national team, which uh, was crazy. Like I didn't even get an email. It was like a friend said, hey, I saw on the website, your name got listed. And I was like, what? And um, yeah, they put everything together really quickly. And I guess I just really lucked out on having a good season. That was kind of my first season competing, um, really, like apart from like tiny little hill competitions and I ended up winning a big competition I actually still have like the big novelty check it's like my favorite one um, in front of me in the in my little uh, home gym area here and that kind of launched everything because then I got connected with sponsors and um, I got part of the junior national team which changed my trajectory because then instead of like moving out and being uh, chasing like the pro film life I went into like the competition jock life um, which I think was was much better for me at the time for sure and started traveling and competing at junior world championships and onto the world cup series um like world tour events and um really trying to progress realistically my my um i guess my trajectory is the 2018 olympics because i was still young like i walked away from the sport at like 21 22 um and i guess 2018 olympics i would have been oof, 24 maybe so that was really like my trajectory that i was on but i had a chance at 24 uh, 14. So of course, tried to make that happen. I dealt with a ton of injuries, unfortunately missed a lot of the Olympic qualifier events. So basically put myself in a position that I had to win the Olympic qualifier events against everyone who would be at the Olympics, like the people who went on to win the Olympics, I would have had to win those events to qualify. I still had that idea in my head, but didn't make it happen. I think I got like a 30th result and maybe a 20 something result. Um, and so, yeah, I didn't end up qualifying a spot. We only ended up sending two female uh, snowboarders from Canada to the Olympics that year. So uh, it was pretty competitive, pretty tight. Um, then gave it one season uh, more and then just kind of felt off just with injuries, seeing people close to me get really bad injuries, different mental health things going on and um, then made the tough decision to walk away. Um, yeah what a story what a story um so would you would you say like the fact that would you say the injuries were the like main reason you walked away or was it or was it like you said the kind of combination of everything you just mentioned like 
Yeah, I, I mean, a combination. I think it all played in together. So there was some things that I was going through that I didn't really realize what they were. So I had a few years where I was getting like some anxiety and panic attacks, and I didn't really know what they were. So I didn't really know what they were stemming from. There was times where like, I look back, I remember afterwards at journals and I had written like, is this the right sport for me? Cause there's a lot of political things like snowboarding because it's a judge sport, things don't go your way. Like there was um, two years in a row where I was like qualifying second into the finals at nationals, which would have been a great place, you know, to be on the podium at nationals. Um, I think my best place ever was fourth place. And I think that was in my last season um, where I, yeah, I qualified in second place. And then uh, I had judge issues that happened. For example, there was a time I landed the same run. So I was like, okay, I think I'm going to get my second place. All of a sudden I'm not on the podium, nothing. And I'm so confused. And then afterwards, my coach told me they spoke with the judges and they marked my, uh, like my whole run as a fall. And I was like, I never fell. Like I would obviously like, why would I lie about falling? I would tell you if I fell, like, it's pretty obvious, you know? Mm. And I'm like, but I didn't fall. Like, how could they have given me like this score as if I had fallen? And I guess they had like individual judges on each jump because of the way the weather was. They can't really see the landing from where the judges booth was. Cause it was, what's ideal is like at world cups, they have like a follow cam. Yeah, yeah. The judges can see everything and so can your coaches. But at this event, uh, just the way the jumps were built and how they did it, they didn't have that. They had like um, the overall judge and then they just had the judge could see you in the air, but they couldn't really tell if you landed. So on this one jump, they just had like someone put a flag. And I guess the person on the jump put their flag up and they said like I had fallen, but I didn't. Cause I was like, I never felt like not even my hand touched the ground. Like, I don't understand. And so like, I remember that just being such an upsetting moment. So there's tons of things where you deal with like things with judges. There was so many political issues where, for example, I won provincials, um, which I, we didn't really provincials in a big competition, but we had to compete in order to get some funding. Well, the other girl who I was competing against, her coaches uh, actually were the or event organizers at an event company and they organized the whole event too. So her coaching program also had a lot of the judges on the panel. Well, I won the event, but then uh, like 30 minutes later, this friend, when I'm ready to drive away with my family, my family drove eight hours to come watch this. She's like, Hey, you have to come to the judges like room. And I'm like, okay. So I go there and she says, uh, yeah, they, they mixed up. They announced it wrong. They're like, you actually came third. Like it was not even like we split switched. It was like total different. And everyone, like some sponsors who were there that I had, um, some friends that were there, they're like, no, you obviously won. Like she didn't actually even land. And they, they even gave her best trick at that event for a trick that she didn't land. She totally fell, but they said, oh, but you tried it. And I was like, that's not how competition works. Yeah. Um, so like, there's so many things. And it was just so that she could get the funding. So they said, okay, they even yeah. said, you can keep the prize money from the contest, but mm -hmm. she technically gets first. I remember my dad wrote a whole letter to the organization because he was like, that's like, what is this? Like, it's so crazy. And so there's so many different things that you deal with like politically. So that was yeah. one that was weighing on me because I'm like someone who believes hard work pays off. And in snowboarding, some people learn tricks faster, some people don't. And then all these things that I talked to you about that um, we all go through. Then there's the other thing you show up at a world cup, the weather is bad. There's high chance for injury. And they said, well, we have to push on because the TV crew is here. And you're like, really, you can't move it to tomorrow. They're like, no, or they'll move maybe the men's event to tomorrow, but not the women's. And that actually happened at one of the Olympics where the women weren't able to show their best tricks because there was high wind, but they ran the men's in the better, they switched the men's to better quality uh, weather, which makes no sense because the men have more body mass, so they could actually yeah. handle the wind, but the women couldn't. So there's so many different things politically that go on. And then there was also just um, like, apart from the injuries, that the mental health, there was uh, the aspect of fear. When I was a kid, I was completely fearless. 
And then it got to this point where I would speak to sports psychologists before my events. And they say, do you have performance anxiety? You're worried about not winning this event because then you might not make the national team again or whatever. I said, I have like pressure is good. Like I can deal with that. I said, it's more like, what if I catch my edge and literally land on my head and die? Like, and they're like, ah, we've only really dealt with hockey players. We don't know how to talk to action sport athletes. And I'm like, so that was a real, real big struggle. I just started getting more fearful. And I think that comes from having experienced injuries. Cause in my experience, I've broken my tailbone, my ribs, that pain is nothing compared to what you feel when you're in the air and you're about to fall. Like I can picture myself flying through the air and thinking like, is this like, what's going to happen to me? I know I'm about to land on my back or whatever to the point where most of my injuries, I end up like, like the police ski patrol come on me and I'm laughing or something. And they're like, why are you laughing? Like, you're obviously pretty injured. And I'm like, well, I thought I was going to die and I'm pretty, I'm okay. So I can go back up. So the, the concept of fear and seeing other people around me get some pretty life-threatening injuries really weighed on me. Um, and especially as I started to get passionate about other things, I started thinking, what if something happened to me here where I can never do anything else in my life, you know, yeah. moving forward, is it worth it for this one chance of going to the Olympics, this one chance of achieving a medal? And so for me, I had to step away and deal with some of those things. And um, I think, I don't know if you guys watch Drive to Survive, like the F1 uh, oh yeah on netflix. on netflix i haven't watched it but it's it's on the list yeah yeah it's, it's so good and there was one driver who said in it um i think they were like going over a crash and they were saying um that some driver was quoted as like when fear creeps in your head you have to retire from the sport like you can't continue because then you can't push as hard like you can't for example in snowboarding you can't learn new tricks and f1 you can't drive as fast and there's much more likelihood that you are going to crash and have those injuries and so that's really part of what happened to me as well is like, as that started creeping in my head, as I started thinking of like the repercussions of all these injuries, then it was very hard to overcome that and actually push myself day to day to learn new tricks or to like hit these new jumps where I, I just kept thinking like, what could happen if I fall? Did you ever try and work with a different sports psychologist? Obviously that, that person didn't work in action sports, but maybe do you think if you worked with a different psychologist that could have helped you overcome that fit, you would still be snowboarding now? Yeah, it's hard to say. Like, I, I, I thought about this a lot, especially with like the mental health stuff going on, the different mm. passions, all it's always it's hard to pinpoint, right? Like, would that have helped or would have just dealing with the other mental health stuff have helped the most? Like, um, you know, like for now, I just think like I made the right decision and yeah. I have to kind of live with that now. But I think it would have helped for sure in some ways, because I did feel like those sports psychologists didn't fully understand, you know, kind of the whole scheme of things. And those are the sports psychologists we had from the team. So at the time, especially like you're spending every money on your sport and you have sponsor money and stuff, but you're not making that much. Um, so for me to like go out and pay, you know, $200 an hour or whatever for another sports psychologist, when we had this one person already, it was just a hard, you know, hard decision to, to think about at the time. Um, but I do think it would have helped to have someone who really understood the sport and some of those things that, that went on. Cause, uh, it's almost like you get like little PTSD from all those different injuries that you've had. Like when I was, I think I was saying before that, um, I hurt my shoulder crashing my motorbike in Bali two years ago, which is why I've been like having competed in two years in CrossFit. Well, I was just talking to my boyfriend the other night about it, that like I had le legit PTSD after that crash. Cause what happened was a cat ran right in front of my front tire I was going like 60 K. And so I had to like ditch, like I swerved the bike and like ditched it. And, and I remember he's like, you didn't even cry. Like you popped right up. Like you acted as if nothing happened. You like went to the medical, got, you know, all scraped and drove home. And I said, mm. every time I drove for the rest of that trip, I visually saw things running in front of my front tire. 
And like, it was to the point where I thought I would never be able to drive again. And like, and I came home, I started driving my car, felt safer. And then now I think like, if I go back, will I be able to drive? I don't know like, if I'll be able to drive my motorbike or not. Um, but I legit thought I was going to have to like really seek some therapy and stuff when I came home, but then it was, I was okay driving the car and everything. Um, but I think the same thing happens with injuries in sport. Yeah, for sure. Like we've both sustained injuries, like not not as near as severe ones as as you probably have. I tell you, uh, I tell you though, talk about snowboarding experience. I went snowboarding uh, on a school trip, and I swear I nearly broke my neck. Like <laughs> we, we were practicing, like you said, on one of those small smaller slopes, and we were just like getting up, trying going down like fifty yards, and then like you'd go back up and you keep doing it. And then at the end of the day, they took us to the top of the slope, and then just said like, just try and go down. And they had like snow machines next to the, the oh. thing. And there was a massive clump of snow. And I just didn't, I, was, I wasn't turning my board to slow down. <laughs> and I just like bombed down, hit this clump of snow, landed on my like chest and my legs come back over my head. Scorpion. I, yeah. I to, <laughs> the scorpion. <laughs> I had to have a day off the slopes because the next day I was finished. <laughs> oh my God. That, yeah, yeah. that was bad. Um, yeah, that's the thing about snowboarding you can have really bad crashes like literally like not hitting a jump right like just literally mm. going down like one time I was injured and I was filming my teammates just filming them and we were going down the bunny hill so I said oh I'm just going to practice my switch riding so I'm riding with my other foot forward I caught my edge and like pretty much broke my thumb like it was purple for like months after and I couldn't move it um I never like went to the doctor but I was like what are the chances that I'm literally just going and catch my edge but it happened to also one of the best female skiers in the world she's uh she was from pretty close to where i am she's canadian she passed away uh and that was i think trying to remember what it was sometime during those years that i was part of the national snowboard team and so i had friends who were her cousins i had friends who uh like knew her really well and obviously she was an icon in the industry so that also hit me really hard because she actually she fell like not kind of off a jump she was a half pipe rider but when she landed, she was going down and she just caught her edge, something that anyone could do, like, regardless of if they're in the half pipe or not. And she just smashed her head and uh, was in a coma and then passed away. And so I was like, oh, my God, like to think that I could just be riding down the hill, not thinking and catch my edge and that could happen, let alone now I'm hitting these jumps and everything that also really affected me. Mm. Um, like it sounds so, like such a dangerous sport but yeah it's it's really cool to watch anyways like i remember yeah. watching like the half pipes and i honestly don't understand how how those guys like how the hell do you guys learn tricks like how does it work do you do you like learn inside like like you know ac acrobatic moves or like do you literally just get straight onto the the snow and how does it kind of work yeah, some people learn totally differently. So there was like a huge movement lately into like trampoline and um, airbags. So like, but some, there's some top athletes, like for example, like Mark McMorris and Seb Toots, like some of the best slope style riders on earth. And they just, they don't like airbags. Like they just like, they preach against them. Actually, one of the athletes, I think he tore his knee because the airbag was pretty dry. So when he landed with all that momentum, the airbag just stopped him and his knee like twisted. So like airbags aren't uh, necessarily the safest always. Um, there's actually a guy, maybe it's an hour from my house here. Um, and he trains some of the, the best ski and snowboard athletes in the world. And he built like his, um, in the winter, he has jumps with a rope toe in their backyard. But in the summer, he actually has like a airbag that's like on a slope. And so they wet it. So it's always like, so it's almost mimics a normal landing of a jump. 
So you still have, you can carry a momentum, you can slide down, um, but then there's no like pain. So there's like kids who've done like five flips into it and everything, like you can try so many things. And so that's really pushing the sport with the trampoline and, and that stuff. But there's also some people who just learn naturally. And um, so, yeah, it really depends. Like I really never really liked airbags. So I never really did that. Um, you just, I just kind of went for it. But at the same time, I did do trampoline classes all fall and all spring. I would do trampoline classes back here in Ottawa, which um, I was really lucky for. But it was because my parents saw my brother and I being interested in skiing and snowboarding. And then they would see us jump off the diving board at the cottage. And they're like, you guys have no air awareness. Like you don't jump up. You just kind of like are scared of the air. So how do you expect to, to jump? So in an effort to try to keep us safe and learn how to properly fall, they put us into trampoline classes and then turned out our trampoline coach um, actually started specializing in skiers and snowboarders. So it all kind of like worked out from there. Just talking about the fear um, of the sport and sort of how John said it's like a really dangerous sport, something we covered in the our stress and anxiety episode. And it also come up in the Holly Bradshaw um, podcast and she uh, represents GB for pole vault. And she was saying that she's actually more stressed and anxious for a presentation rather than competing at the Olympics. And I was just wondering, like in our stress episode, we sort of talked about Formula One and how, I was saying that maybe for someone like Lewis Hamilton, he's not as stressed competing in F1. It would be stressful for us because we've never done it, but the fact that he trusts his ability in that, he may not be stressed at all and actually quite calm during racing. Um, would you say it's the same sort of for snowboarding? Like if you trust your ability, it's not that stressful of a situation? I think so. Yeah, I think for sure. Like when even when I look back, like I was always someone who liked to deal with high pressure situations, whether it's like pitching the last inning in baseball or playing the last minute of a hockey game. But then, yeah, it's true. When it came to snowboarding, I was never nervous about yeah performance. I was like, but then I was nervous about the injuries. But in a way that is being not confident in your ability in a sense, because if you are confident that you're always going to take off perfect and land perfect, then you're not going to have that stress. So um, definitely, I do think it's a it's a big factor for sure. Uh, because I feel like being like a top athlete, that's already a stressor, you know, keeping at the top level, you know, and an extreme sport like that, like how we, we're, we're not at all like that, but like that kind of adds an extra stressor. So it's like you guys have like double stressors uh, to deal with. But I guess if you kind of know what you're doing and like repeat, repeat practice, then maybe that that kind of fixes it. But yeah, it's, it's really... Uh, it, yeah, well, I, I once had um, uh, one of the world champion freediver on my podcast and I said, hey, look, how do you get over the fear? Because his mom actually passed away in a freediving accident. So I'm like, how do you do this stuff? It's like, it's not scary. And I was like, it seems scary to me, but I think for him, for example, snowboarding might seem scary, but for me, freediving seems scary because I've never done it. But for him, he's been say 30 meters. So what's going 31, he's already done that. So just pushing a little bit out of your comfort zone and knowing that you've done it a million times, that always helps. Right. So it's not like on a competition day, I'm like, Oh, let me just try this brand new trick. I've never done before. Then I've pushed too far out of the comfort zone. And obviously I've gone too far over into the fear zone. Yeah. Uh, yeah, stress and anxiety, just as an overall point, is completely individualistic um, and it's completely up to the individual. But um, so just moving on, so you sort of retired at um, sort of 22. Um, you then got into CrossFit. So I am sort of want to just get a gist of like, how did you get into it? What made you fall in love with it? Did, did you sort of do this during snowboarding or how did you get into it? 
Yeah. So when I was snowboarding, I was like the only snowboarder who trained really like snowboarders. Like we still strength and conditioning coaches with the team, but no one like really liked training. And it was like, they had to push them to train, but for some reason, like I just really started enjoying it. I think also because I didn't have as many like financial resources as my teammates. I didn't grow up at the best mountains. So I was always like, what's the way I can get ahead. And for me, it was like, well, I can train like much harder in the gym and I can do that to prevent injury and just like become more explosive and powerful and all that kind of stuff, which gave me a lot more confidence too, to try new things when I knew my legs were strong enough to handle it. If I landed, you know, really deep on the landing or short or whatever. Um, so I was always kind of into that side of things. It was actually how sometimes I got some different sponsors. I was able to get like nutrition sponsors and different things that were pretty unique for a snowboarder because I was into like that gym side. Um, but then I had a friend, uh, locally who's a pro or she was a pro skier and she was into CrossFit. Her boyfriend was into strength and conditioning and he actually, he's, he made the games last year now. So he was super into getting into CrossFit. And she's like, I see you're so into strength and conditioning. You should come try CrossFit just, you know, when you're back home in Ottawa. And I was like, no, no. Cause at the time everyone kind of thought CrossFit was stupid. Yeah. Um, and especially coming from a traditional strength and conditioning background. Like I also, whenever I was injured, I would always learn new things. So I got like my personal trainer certification and they would bash CrossFit. Like when I was at those things and stuff, like it was, especially now, like I think people are more accepting now, but back then it was like, Oh, what a stupid thing. Like you get mm. injured, whatever. So uh, I was very hesitant at first, but I am also very competitive. So I think she knew that I would like it. So I went in, I think the first workout was like a hundred burpee pull-ups for time. And I remember like I beat her. So I was really excited. I was like, Oh, like this is cool. <laughs> like I feel good at something, you know? And, um, it kind of like got people hyped at the gym. Like I was new and I kind of did well. Um, so I was like, okay, this is cool. And then she convinced me to at least do Olympic weightlifting. Cause she said that will really help like the hip power and the coordination with like your jump takeoffs and even takeoffs for a rail. And I was like, oh yeah, I could see that transfer. And I would like to learn like the Olympic lifts. So I started that fall. I think I had like maybe a month and a half before I left for the season, um, doing the Olympic weightlifting classes. So I went once a week to that. And then over the winter, I kept up some of my strength training, but I didn't do CrossFit because I was just gone all winter. And then when I came back, her boyfriend reached out to me, I guess for some certification, he needed a coach, like a national level athlete. So he said, can I just give you some programming, like strength programming um, for free? And you can check back in and ask me questions. I said, yeah, sure. So um, I did that. And then later on in the summer, as it progressed, he's like, hey, why don't you come to the gym and I'll help like still keep helping you with your Olympic weightlifting and stuff. And I was like, okay. So I started coming into the gym and then as, uh, I remember I would like snatch something or lift something. He would like tell everyone, he's like, Oh, this is our first time. And she did this much. And so I started feeling like really good and, you know, strong. Um, I think I, I am naturally kind of explosive, like strength. I can make strength gains pretty easily. I think I mentioned that earlier, like endurance stuff though, not, not so good for me. Yeah. Um, and so I really started enjoying it. Like I, it, when, when I go back to like my, my high school and elementary school days, like fitness test days, beat test days, those are my favorite days. Like I love all those things. Mm. So it was kind of like that. Right. And so I really liked this. It was like an adult gym class in a sense. So as I started coming all of a sudden it would be like, he'd be with another competitor friend and say, Hey, we're not going to do Olympic weightlifting today. Just jump into this workout with us. And I was like, I don't know any of these movements, but sure. So I started doing that until finally he just convinced me. He's like, all right, now it's fall. Like, why don't you just sign up and just be a member and like come to classes? And I was like, oh, okay, I'll try a few classes. Started liking it, especially like meeting different people from all walks of life, like not just other athletes. Um, also having community. I trained by myself all the time, all summer. Cause I didn't have any 
people from the snowboard team around me. I didn't have any coaches here. I just felt very isolated from like high performance sport. So this kind of gave me like a good community of people who are all like training really hard. So it quickly progressed from like three times a week and doing my accessory work at like the normal gym to like spending all day, every day there. Um, and so that was the off season, like the fall before my last season, what ended up being my last season. I didn't know it at the time. And uh, yeah, I got really into it to the point where like, when I went away from my, my first tri- training trip, like all the members of the gym were texting me and messaging me, like they were all really excited about it. So I kind of had like this cool home community of people and to the point where I started really missing it. Like, and so I kept up my CrossFit programming while I was at the national team training center. Um, and so I became known as like that girl doing like, uh, all the CrossFit stuff at the gym, like to the point where I had like the Jamaican bobsled team would be there and they would watch me do muscle ups and they, I would come in the gym and be like, Oh, it's a muscle up girl. And, <laughs> um, so I'd make friends that way, just being like the crazy person at the gym doing, uh, heavy Olympic lifts or, um, rope climbs and muscle ups and things. So that was really fun. Uh, and then as the season progressed, yeah, I just kept up my training. Whenever I was home, I did my training. I actually did the open that year, 2015 with broken ribs. Like I broke my ribs like the week before, <laughs> but I was like very determined because I had just been part of this community for the last year. And like, um, yeah, I just wanted to be competitive. And then we ended up having a the games athlete at our gym who owned the gym. He, he made the games, I think that year before. So like right around when I signed up. Um, and he was just like, I learned to muscle up first try. I learned all these things first try. So he was just like hyping me up all the time. Like, it's like, you can make the games, you could do this. Like, so I was like, okay, okay. So when I just remember that when I retired from snowboarding, I just was like, well, I'm, I still want to be an athlete. Like, I'm not ready to leave that. I still have so much athletic potential. So I just dove straight into CrossFit. Um, and for a while, I think actually probably most of my my snowboard teammates or ex-teammates thought that's why I left. I didn't really have to do the explaining of injuries and all this. I think they just thought that, oh, Natalie's really good at CrossFit. So she's just doing this now. Mm. Um, so that kind of helped a little bit with the transition because otherwise I would have been asked a lot of questions that I would just like would have started crying or not been able to deal with at the time. So yeah, I just dove straight into CrossFit, spent all my time there and um, started progressing and started getting coaches, uh, doing different things. Like I've been to the States on different training camps. Cause I started working with like more professional coaches down there. Um, and then traveling. And then in 20, I guess, 19, I did two different sanctional events. So I did one in London, England. So I was part of a team, uh, on that one. And then I did one in Shanghai, which was my, an individual one. Um, and then I crashed my motorbike and hurt my shoulder. Damn. Oh yeah. No. So, yeah, that's sort of like going back. Like, I love that about CrossFit, about you kept talking about the community. And that's something that I felt. Um, so I sort of had a, I was always into like bodybuilding, like when I was um, like 15, 16, when I was first getting into the gym, like I used to watch YouTube videos all the time on it. And then like they all used to like trash on, on CrossFit. And then <laughs> I... Um, during my second year of university, my mum and dad got me like a, a PT for a year and um, he was really into CrossFit and going to like his CrossFit lessons and, and stuff like that, like the community, like like you said, like different walks of life, you get some old people like coming in and training as well as like younger people. So it was like a really good, really good community and everyone supported each other, wanted the best for each other. So that was definitely something that I found uh, and sort of correlated with your story. Did you find like the transition of retiring uh, quite challenging? Like it sounded pretty smooth um, from, from, from what I've heard. Yeah, yeah, no, it was hard. Oh, was yeah. it? 
Uh, I think it was definitely like really good that I had CrossFit to spend all my time. Cause like, even, um, cause like I went to therapy that summer, uh, and when I was talking to my therapist, he used to be like a, kind of like a semi-pro football player. So he kind of like knew, um, sports and he was like, even just chemically, like you not having this adrenaline release that you do every day, snowboarding, like you get high stress and then you like do something, conquer that fear, um, like it started manifesting in like my relationships and different things where I'm like, for example, like I want stress to happen because my body wants homeostasis. It wants that normal, uh, normalcy. So when I don't have that high stress every day, it's going to try to seek out high stress. So I think in a way, definitely like CrossFit helped me with some of those things. Um, but no, like it was really difficult because I even thought that everyone at the CrossFit gym only liked me because I was a snowboarder, right? Like I had this story. So every time I went to the gym, they're like, oh, you're doing this. And then I couldn't handle it when they started asking me like, well, why did you stop snowboarding? And I just start crying and like run away. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I started going through like really bad panic attacks, really bad anxiety attacks. I actually ended up getting diagnosed with depression and anxiety. And so I started going to therapy, um, which helped a lot. And like, no one really knew at the gym, like I would spend six hours pretending to be happy and like, just forget about it. And then I go home and like break down. Um, so then I ended up getting all my money together and I went and bought a flight to Bali and I went for a month, I think that September that really helped. I like figured out who I was outside of sports. My identity was entirely wrapped up with being an athlete and with this goal of making it to the Olympics. And all of a sudden now, like I pulled myself out of ever having that chance. Um, and so I really had to accept that. And it's, you know, really it's been like, it's an ongoing process still always, I think, um, for example, like the last two years, now that I, I've hurt my shoulder and haven't been able to compete. It's the first two years in my life, other than maybe from age zero to two, that I never was competing in something. And so as much as I thought that I had been through all that and like gotten to a really good place mentally, there actually in this last two years has been a lot of things that I had to realize about what was even my motivation for like trying to be this elite competitor and realizing that even CrossFit in a way it like helped, but it also kind of masked a few different things. For example, I was like, okay, now I have to be good at CrossFit to prove to people that I am like this elite athlete because I didn't make the Olympics in snowboarding. So now it has to still be for something. But now I'm at a point where like, I could compete again or I couldn't and I will be fine either way. Like it'll just come from a love of like, I do love competing and being on the floor, but if my body is still injured and I don't want to like have really permanent issues other than the ones that my snowboard injuries already have caused me, then I don't have to push through. Like, I don't feel that, um, that same, I still have that same drive, but it comes from a different place, like a much healthier place now. Um, so yeah, it was, it's definitely a really long process. Uh, like I thought, you know, with the mental health stuff that it would get better when I left the sport, but it just got much, much worse. But it was because everything of my life was like wrapped around this one goal and this one identity that I had. Yeah, identity always comes up in our podcast. Like we love this topic uh, and it's so important to, to like, it's really cool to have like kind of your experience because who knows, someone might be going through a similar experience. So it's kind of reassuring for them, I guess. But um, but yeah, the, the the story you talked about when uh, like walking, we had a guest called Kenji and he, he got released from uh, his academy from in football. And he said when he walked in cafes and at his local cafe, he was really worried about what the people would think about him because he's no longer that guy you know no longer the footballer at Manchester United so it seems like you have a, a pretty similar experience uh to him yeah it's crazy yeah that was a big one like even thinking like all my old hockey coaches I had hockey coaches who like 
randomly, like I had a hockey coach once randomly like PayPal me money. And I was like, that's so weird. And he was like a donation to my snowboard career. Like, he's like, I saw how hard you worked as an athlete. Like I want to help. And like, so you think about all these things, all these people that have invested in you, my grandparents put my, all the money I had to go to university. They said, you can use that for coaching. Um, like all the, the jobs I worked to get there, all the um, sponsors that like bought into my journey. I just thought I was like, everything that I've done and all the support I've gotten, it'll all be for nothing if like I don't make it. And then I was like, one person wins the Olympic games. One person. Yeah. I say like, my story is no different than that person's story. It just turns out like, you know, I stepped away. Um, you know, I found different passions. I needed to do this, make this decision for my mental and physical health. And, uh, but my story is still, you know, worth something. Cause I thought the whole time, every time I would go through something tough on that journey, I was like, I can only tell my story. Like I can make, I write a book or whatever it is only once I make it. Like when I win the Olympics, then I can tell my story and it'll be worth something versus now it's like, now I speak my story more than, than ever. Like, and now it's hopefully helping people who deal with some of the same things, identity, mental health, um, mindset stuff, transition, all that stuff. And so I really realized that like everything I went through, is not for nothing. It's not like, oh, you didn't make it. Now you're starting from the scratch of life. Right. It's like, yep. no, that all is part of who I am now. And I'm just still building block. Like I just still improving and moving forward from those lessons that I learned from them. Yeah. Just talking about like identity, did during your snowboarding career, did you sort of uh, lose focus of entrepreneurship then because you were solely focused on snowboarding and then during your trip maybe to Bali, you sort of rekindled that or? So somewhat, yeah. Like um, my, I guess, so I used to work like when I was snowboarding, like just shitty summer jobs to yeah. make things work. And uh, and it would drive me crazy because like all my competitors had tons of money uh, from family, sponsors, whatever. And they would go to like Australia and New Zealand all summer. So like they had so much more time on snow, but I really had to like crunch numbers to try to make things work. And so I would just work these like horrible jobs, but then I couldn't spend as much time in the gym as I wanted to. And like, it wasn't, you know, ideal. Right. So then in my last uh, year of snowboarding, or I guess my second last year, a local company who was one of my sponsors at the time, they reached out to me and said, Hey, like, do you want to do all of our social media? You can do it remotely. Like, and it can start off your business. Cause we know that you're really into, you know, being an entrepreneur and you've kind of, you've studied marketing and you said, this is something that you might want to do. And I was like, yeah, sure. That, that works. So that kind of kickstarted things off. And then once I retired from snowboarding, I was able to take on more clients and like make it an official business. So yeah, for a few years, definitely. Like, I think I always had it in mind though. Like I'm, I've just, I've been someone who's like, I have a bunch of goals and like, I want to make them happen in my lifetime at some point um, rather than like, Oh, I can only do this one thing. And it was definitely part of it. Cause like I was still doing my, I did my university degree all online while I was snowboarding just pretty rare. Like you're not really encouraged to go to school at the same time, but it was a deal I made with my parents. Um, and then, uh, and then I, yeah, I was starting my business. And so I started thinking like, Hmm, like this kind of business stuff is like something I want to do. And like, I want to finish my school. And so I also, that was part of the weight in the decision too, was like, okay, if I get injured, I may not be able to do any of these things ever, or, I'm going to have to put all these like big plans I have in other aspects of my life, like basically on hold for the next at least five years or so on. If I want to make another run at the Olympics, if I want to, you know, continue on even past that. It's another decade. And so I started thinking, hmm, do I want to keep doing this or do I want to like integrate this part of my life back, back in? So yeah, definitely once I had the time back, then I uh, focused a little bit more on entrepreneurship and then 
course, over the past two years with absolutely like not spending eight hours, six hours a day in the, the CrossFit gym too, I've been able to like push a little bit more on uh, the business side of things. Yeah, it's really cool because it, it kind of like, it kind of gives like you a bit more credibility because like you've kind of experienced like firsthand like professional sport. So like when you're, because obviously your agency is kind of working with athletes and, and different teams. So it's, it makes it yeah even more credible in my, in my eyes anyways. Um, yeah, for sure. Um, do you think you could tell us a bit more about like your agency actually that you created? So what, what's the main aims and yeah, where do you, where do you want to take it? Where do you want to take it? Yeah, I, I want to empower like as many athletes as possible to be able to take control of their their branding and use that as leverage to really, you know, fund their career or achieve whatever goals that they want in sport, business, life. Like, for example, for me, I was able to get some sponsorships that were really critical in me being able to stay in the sport being invited into competitions because that's part of it, like especially in action sports, uh, certain competitions, you need to have connections to be able to get into. Um, and I was able to like, social media was just coming on the scene then. I was able to, I, at that time, I think I used Twitter. Now I would do LinkedIn if I was an athlete, but to even find like the right person at a company to message um, and to get that connection. And then I was realizing, okay, they want to be promoted on social media, not just like at a competition. Um, that's how I also, because I was posting a lot of strength and conditioning stuff, how I was able to get like protein sponsors as a snowboarder. Um, I just really was good at trying to sell myself. I think it came from doing all those things I did as a kid, you know, selling gum and, um, learning about marketing and sales and all that stuff. So that really helped. And I realized there was no guidebook to that. There's no help. Even if you have an agent, the agent's going to sell what they have there, but they don't teach you how to build more there, right? Like it's, you know, an agent will go to someone that say, yeah, this person really is into social media, but they're the best. So, you know, here's what they can offer versus what if you told them that if they just invested an hour a week or like a little bit of time into some of these things, they could get so much more in their deals. And now we're seeing athletes, even in like the NFL, who teams will pay more because they have a bigger following because it'll bring fans to their games. So it's not even just about sponsors. It's also about uh, your team negotiations but it's also even about empowering the next generation. Last year, we worked with an organization that's trying to close the pen, uh, gender pay gap in sport. And so I was able to come in and create a series of webinars for all their professional female athletes they work with on Instagram marketing. And my first, like I started the whole first conversation with them all about mindset and about like, this is more than, you know, maybe just making more money, getting brand deals, whatever it is. This is also about empowering the next generation. Imagine when I was coming up as an athlete, if I could have actually had direct contact with those like pro women's hockey team players that I looked up to, that would have been game changer. Like the inspiration, the empowerment to stay in sport. Like there's so many different factors at play, whether then maybe you want to open a charitable organization, you want to help small businesses in your local community. Like it just gives you so many more opportunities by kind of building out your brand and, uh, growing your social media. So my goal is to teach athletes how they can do that. And so uh, at the start of my business, we worked with a lot of different brands and businesses and got tons of hands-on experience from, you know, generating millions of dollars in ads uh, revenue to consulting engineering firms on their social media. We work with everyone. And then we really tapped in because all my connections were in the sports space. And that's where I'm really passionate about is helping people through the same journey that I was on. Um, and so now we've really tapped into specifically helping athletes, teams, also brands who are trying to like figure out how to sponsor athletes and work with them. Um, that side too, we're just trying to foster that whole kind of community of sports marketing and really just focusing on the education side. So that also opens up a lot of windows because sometimes we'll work with agencies um, and we'll create a bunch of programs for their athletes so that they can even 
they can focus on the negotiating and finding the brand deals for their athletes, but then they'll have something that's teaching the athletes how they can actually use social media and stuff for themselves. Cause like even LeBron James posts his own stuff. So um, I think it's important for athletes to at least have a little bit of knowledge on that side of things. Even if they don't want to invest tons of time, you can just with a little bit of time kind of grow your, uh, your content and your platform so that you just open up a world of opportunities for you. Yeah, it's definitely a huge thing in sport. Um, it's starting to happen a little bit over in the UK now, but I definitely see it a lot in the US. Um, yeah. Like, but I've really gotten into the NBA and the way they are with the media. Like, it's so much more healthier than the UK. Um, but yeah, in terms of like uh, clubs signing um, people with bigger followings, I, I swear, like the club that I support, Man U, only sign players who are going to bring in bigger shirt sales rather mm-hmm. than a low key guy who may, may be better. Um, they'll bring in the guy with a bigger following to sort of have that shirt sales and it's more for the money money side of things. So it's definitely a huge thing in sport at the moment. Yeah, I think finding a good balance is so important there because like at some point, right, like there's like the downside of that. Like as a fan, you're like, what the hell? Like we want to win. Yes. uh, (laughs) Especially (laughs) straight Yeah, Yeah, and like athletes too, right? Like you probably have that low-key, long-term veteran player on the team who's like, what the hell? Like I don't want this athlete who's just going to bring sure sales. I want to – I'm here to win a cup or whatever it is. Um, So that must be like super frustrating. So I think it's – yeah, I think think it's good because it does empower athletes to have more control. Like they can choose the team they want to go to. They have more negotiating power because they understand they're not just bringing like their player value. They're bringing that – uh, front office value for the money side of things, the business side of things. But at the same time, yeah, like I think we got to still think about sports as like the pure game and doing it for the love of it. And so uh, I saw a post recently, I think I reposted it on the 93 agency, uh, TikTok and, uh, Instagram, um, at least in the stories. And it was something about like, I'll totally butcher it, but it was like basically saying like being good at what you do, um, can like allow you to obviously like make more money and do all these things. It was like, being known for what you do gives you all the more opportunities to do that, to like actually do what you do. Um, but it's like, but don't be so attached to just being known for what you do that you forget about actually being good at what you do. So it's like that balance there. So like I, I tell athletes like, yeah, like focus on building your brand and all these things, but I also always focus on like, okay, what's the real reason why? Like think beyond the money and also think about if your mental health or your physical abilities are taking a hit because you're spending all this time creating content, like do take a step back. You've got to find a good balance in between both of those worlds so that you can get more opportunities, but also you've got to be still good at what you do and focus on the fact that still playing the game of the sport is the reason that we all do it. That's so key. It's sort of like what we're doing now um, in terms of like being known for what we do in terms of trying to build a following like with this podcast, like we sort of made it, but we didn't make it for that reason. We made it yeah. for the reason to develop our way in terms of speaking about different topics, uh, conversing with like different guests like yourself. But this is sort of how maybe we'll talk with like clients and stuff. So just like developing like our communication skills and stuff. So that's the main reason. But as a like plus bonus, like yeah. we're being known for what we do. So it's definitely key what, how you brought that up. We're yes. taking notes, Natalie. Thanks for <laughs> <Yeah. you. laughs> Thanks so much. Um, but you also have a podcast, don't you? Um, yeah. Tell us more about that. Yeah, so I actually started in 2017 uh, at the gym I was at at the time. Um, we had a like a games athlete who was there, and then um, then he moved. But um, I was like, oh, it'd be great to have him on. And then thinking about some of my past like Olympian friends and different things, and I was just thinking about like what are some unique conversations that we could bring to the the podcast world, especially 
being that I was like, oh, these are like some positive things that could inspire anybody from sport or life to like go all in on their goals and their dreams and their passions and learn these life lessons from people in sport, whether it's coaches or uh, mentors or uh, top athletes. And, um, and just like build that out and just put like some positivity out into the world and some like actual practical advice on, you know, habits of these high performers and the mindsets and all these things. So I started it, I was like super hyped about it. It grew really quickly at the start. I was really excited. And then I was in a negative space with the gym I was at. So I actually switched gyms a couple years later. Um, just that was the first gym that I ever did CrossFit at, but there was just a very high school vibe about it. Um, it was just kind of a negative place where there was a lot of judgment. It was funny because they would kind of like make offhand jokes. Like I was supposed to be one of their friends and they make offhand jokes about, Oh, why are you doing a podcast? Why do you put yourself out there on social media? Like, you know, like just kind of knocking people who are putting themselves out there and trying, which is uh, a sad state of the world that people do. Um, but it's funny because after I left them, they started a podcast. And I was like, what the hell? Oh, like, yeah. Of course. But um, so, yeah, so I actually put it on pause because things got really busy with work and then with training. So, of course, like something had to go. And like I was making money at work. My training was important. So I was like, okay, the thing I have to drop that's taking up a lot of time in my week, it's going to have to be the podcast, especially because they were digging at me. So I was like, that's just one thing, you know, off the, the page. Um, but then the pandemic happened here in 2019 and I'm in a totally different headspace where like I, you know, if I was back at the gym, I could care less what, <laughs> what they think. I've just matured a lot and at least gotten developed my mindset a lot from, you know, kind of getting out of that situation. Um, and so I was like, okay, everyone is like kind of online, just posting negative like things. How can we bring some positivity back? And also all my athlete friends are home now, um, not knowing what to do. So like they have the time to actually come on the podcast and do stuff. So I started it back as doing like weekly Instagram lives and like quickly it took off to the point where I had like one time I had a speaking agent who booked in their athletes to be on the Instagram live. I was like, this is so random. Like I was just like random people would reach out or like you know, there would be athletes with like hundreds of thousands of followers who would like would reach out and be like, Hey, can I do the Instagram live? And I was like, yeah, that'd be awesome. So that was like a real honor because for me, I got, a, I met new lifelong friends from different sports just through either reaching out to them to be on the Instagram lives, which was then turned into the podcast. Um, or revamping the podcast or them reaching, uh, reaching out to me. And I thought that was such a cool honor because it's not only reaching my audience, right. It's also reaching theirs because they, their whole audience gets a notification if we're going live. Yeah. Um, so I thought it was also a cool way for some of these, whether it's like a coach or an athlete, they can reach their fans through someone who's asking them questions. Right. Um, rather than if they did an Instagram live, it's kind of awkward. And like, but if they're getting asked questions, it's like a great way for them also to build that engagement. So yeah, it really took off. It really did well. And then it started getting pretty busy as things started opening up a little bit more. Um, so people's schedules are getting busy. My own schedule was, was really hard to always be the same time every week, no matter what's going on in life to like do this live. Right. Like as you guys know, as a podcaster, sometimes it's nice to have like a backlog of episodes that you do on your own time. So yeah. So I went on this little road trip in the fall. And uh, when I came back, I decided to switch it up instead of doing the lives, even though they, they were doing well, I was like, let's just do the, the zooms and make it also the audio quality is much better than yeah, like yeah. an Instagram live where someone Watch forgets yourself. to put in their headphone. They're like walking around their house. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, so yeah, so it's just kind of grown from there. And now we're just focusing on like improving the quality and everything, but the topics have progressed. Like we talk about mindset, mental health and high performance and, um, kind of go deep on it, but it's, uh, yeah, it's really fun. It's a fun thing to do. And it's just like a passion project of mine. And especially like we, we were in full lockdown until like a week ago. So, um, like the gyms only just started reopening now. And like, even the province that's just 15 minutes away from me, they're not reopened, um, for a while. So it was also a way for me to just have these conversations that I wouldn't get in my everyday life, like with people with different mindsets than the kind of mindset of the people in the city around me. Um, so it's kind of, uh, you know, a good passion project. Yeah. It's, re it's a really good example of like making the best out of the situation you're in. Like, because we're both at a, a quite a good university in the in the UK, which is called Loughborough, and it's really renowned for like its uh, <laughs> uh, gym facilities, etc. Uh, and we haven't really been able to make the most of that of that experience, you know. And my mom keeps telling me, "Oh, I feel so bad for you because you you're only spending a year here." Um, and you're not making the most of it. But then I, I keep telling her that I probably wouldn't have been doing this podcast with Ollie if it, you know, and I probably wouldn't be having this conversation with you, you know, today. Um, and yeah, it's literally just making the most of, of the bet of like the situation you're in. You know? it's, it's so key. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think that that's kind of been my motto over the pandemic. I was like, uh, especially actually even before the pandemic started, I said, okay, I'm going to start like putting myself out there more, creating more content. Um, and just seeing where it takes me, like not a specific goal, like not like with snowboarding where I was like, I have to make the Olympics. So everything I do aligns with that. I'm like, let me just like put my story out there more and let me like create more content and things that I like to do. Like, let me just share that more and see what comes from that. And then that came, yeah, into just like, oh, let's do these lives. And then, oh, let's make this into like actually the revamping the podcast. And then, oh, let's like, you know, do, um, more TikToks or like this and like, just so cool how, like, just sometimes just focusing on the process, even without a specific end goal can really yeah. just take you to these places that you couldn't have even made a goal at the time. Like I, all of a sudden, like I did a, a TEDx talk this year. I, um, got invited to speak on a ton of panels with sport marketing over the past year. None of those things were any goals of mine. Like absolutely. Like I didn't have them on a piece of paper, but just from, it was a result of like just putting myself out there every single day that all of a sudden these opportunities happen. So it's like a good lesson. in like, if you, you know, you could sit down for like a year every day, like, what is my goal? What is my mission in life? But if you just like wake up and like feel what is calling me today, how can I put myself out there and show up the best that I can today? that mission could change because your life is going to change. Your passions are going to change, but those opportunities will come and just follow them and see where they take you. That's going to be a clip. No, but um, yeah. So just moving on, like uh, have you got any like exciting projects you've got coming up and, and any future plans with this agency or um, in CrossFit? Yeah, well, I'm starting to revamp uh, or like re, I guess, get back into training more. So uh, yesterday I had a good, like solid two a day. I haven't done a two a day in a while. So that felt good. Um, but it was also like so hot yesterday and sweaty. So I'm um, yeah. definitely feeling it today. I'm just trying to stay hydrated and um, get another training session in. So I'm trying to revamp into that. Like my shoulder's been feeling a lot better. The only thing is uh, I did this like Red Bull um, run. And it was like a Sunday morning at like 7 a.m. So I like I Sunday mornings, I usually sleep in until like seven anyways, because I like to like take the weekends to get some extra sleep. And so I just roll out of bed, immediately go for a run. I think I did 13K as part of like, it's like a charity run thing. And uh, 
it was like my knee was so busted after um because I did no warm-up and nothing but again like I just still think I'm like 17 or something yeah <laughs> and so uh, I got this really bad pain on the inside of my knee which is basically like where the MCL attaches to the shin bone and uh it like isn't going away and so I did see physio and luckily like he doesn't think it's something too bad just like a light sprain but like I've been able to cycle but I had to adjust my cleats and like kind of do stuff for it and then yesterday I squatted like the first time I squatted anything like not super heavy but like just like a little heavier than like an empty barbell or like 100 pounds or whatever like so so I've just been doing light motion for it and it felt good during but then when after it was like I was walking I was like oh my god like straightening my leg like really hurts like I think when I talked to you guys yesterday I had ice on my knee yeah um so I think it's still aggravated um trying to figure out how to best overcome that because now I'm like great my shoulder's feeling good finally I'm getting there after two years of shoulder rehab and then for something to happen to my knee it's like no <laughs> hopefully it's not a sign from the universe telling me I shouldn't be uh continuing to do this because I really do uh I want to just like push myself again because I just feel like I'm still in my 20s I still have time to you know push my athletic potential that maybe I won't be able to when I'm a little bit older maybe if I start having a family or whatever so I just feel like now is I still really enjoy pushing myself and I have the time to do it. So I'm hoping to kind of put a little bit more time and effort um, back into CrossFit. Um, still, like I want to keep creating stuff for TikTok. And um, hopefully last summer I did like a day of training series, which was really fun, training like different pro athletes. It was really hard because the gyms were all closed this winter. Um, so there's nowhere I could really film it. And of course, like winter stuff is pretty difficult. So I'm hoping to bring maybe back that series. So definitely like I have a lot of like, goals with just my personal content like vlogs and um tiktok and stuff um and that kind of goes around just documenting like my training and stuff um and then with the business side of things i'm hoping to launch a course soon um we're doing a few different partnerships with different uh businesses that have like any agencies who have uh big groups of athletes where we've created like custom video courses specifically that they can like license and use for their group of athletes. But I'm trying to create uh, an affordable course that like any high school level athlete or athlete of any age can just like sign up uh, and take this whole video program to learn the basics of social media for athletes and branding and uh, content and all that stuff so that they can just regardless of who they have access to, they can like, you know, spend less than a hundred dollars and get this full uh, education. So that's my goal with that is to build out, uh, an affordable course there. Fingers crossed you get better <laughs> physically and, uh, with your projects. Um, I hope we wish you all the best with it. Um, but, uh, well, before we move on, wait, uh, I just want to yeah. know, have you, uh, have you got any like specific goals in like CrossFit? Is it like performance goals or, um, like, I just want to get a quick gist, like sort of to, as to what level you're at. Yeah. So like back, back in the day, like I wanted to go to the games, like that was my goal. And, uh, I think 2018, I had my best open result. That was like the last year of regionals. And I missed out on regionals because of the handstand push-up, handstand walk, uh, event because my overhead position is horrible. Like there's a, like it's coincidence that I hurt my shoulder on a motorbike accident, but it's, I've landed on my shoulder snowboarding and hurt both the AC joints. Um, and just from general, the posture of snowboarding, I have a really immobile thoracic spine. So my overhead position was always been my weakest aspect of CrossFit. Like even the endurance workouts in that open, I trained really hard and I did pretty good in some of them. But um, like in my region, I still came like top 30 in some uh, of the endurance pieces. So I was like, okay, like as much as that was a weakness, it wasn't a huge hole. It was clearly like the overhead 
um, position because I completely overarched to make up for that thoracic spine. So that's something I'm working really hard on now because I know that that limited my progression like majorly because like my clean is so much more than like my jerk. But yeah. at a competition, they're going to test the clean and jerk. So like I'll just power clean it and then do a jerk because the jerk is a hard part. So um, if I can overcome that and like get over that mobility issue and really like fix that. And then of course, you know, the knee, then I think I have like a pretty good like foundation to really progress off that where I'm not going to like reach this point where all of a sudden I'm like, Oh no, my overhead is really limiting me now. So now I have to take two years again to rebuild this thing. So if I can get to that point, then I don't, I wouldn't say I have a specific goal, but really just to keep like go back and push my potential and get better than where I was and see where that takes me. Like I was competing at the sanctional level, which was kind of like what regionals turned into in 2019. And then now we're back to like this hybrid regional sanctional format. So I'd like to get to like one of those, like the semifinal events or whatever. Um, once I can get back there, but I'm, I'm really patient. Like I have uh, a lot of time. I'm not in a huge rush. I don't feel rushed either. Like in the business before I used to be like, Oh, I need to build my business. Like by next year to a certain thing or, and then at the same time, I need to make this in CrossFit. Now I feel like life is long. I can like shift things around. So yeah, we'll see, uh, see how my body uh, adjusts, but I'm, I'm hoping that I still have a lot more potential to give. Cause I know even when I was at the highest level, I was, I was still had like so many more improvements that could, could be made. And I know I had a lot of like natural t- raw like ability that could be turned into something but yeah i'm just being mindful of my body as i move forward in this next uh stage of life <laughs> all right you can move on now john <laughs> <laughs> um no so yeah we we did have some questions for you um from our viewers actually um we have four questions um awesome. so so the first question is where is the best place you've snowboarded oh you know what i uh, i think uh maybe actually maybe california so sierra tahoe in california was really cool that was like the first trip i got to do by myself when i was 17 because i won the competition here that was the one that ended up getting me onto like the junior national team and everything but one of the prizes was to go to like the finals in california so um that was really cool because like it was snowboarding in april but they got so much snow so it was pretty crazy, but I've also, I've snowboarded in Spain and in Turkey and some of the places were super unique. So like, they were really cool too, but just like quality of snow wise and, um, okay. and stuff, California and Colorado are probably the best. Nice. Yeah. I've heard Colorado is really nice. My, my parents actually went on the, on the honeymoon tour in, in the U S um, and they went there and they said it was unreal. So yeah, yeah. I can see that. <laughs> Colorado is really nice. Yeah. Okay, so the second question is, uh, what is the hardest event you've had to do in CrossFit? Ooh, hardest event. Uh, I mean, probably when I was at the Asia CrossFit Championships, there was uh, this really long event that was like, I think it was four, no, maybe 6K bike, 4K row, 2K ski. So it was like all pure cardio. And I remember they're announcing. So for example, the girl who ended up winning that event and like the whole competition and qualifying for the game, she ended up coming third place at the CrossFit games that year. So, and she's like really good at endurance. So they're like announcing her paces. And I'm like, I just, I'm ignoring because I'm like, I can't even keep up. So like go off, but (laughs) I'm just going to keep my, uh, my pace over here. That was a hard one. But then also when I was in the in the uk i was competing on a a team and they have like those worms those big worms 
oh my god those worms destroy you so like all those events we also had a running event with a sandbag um i would say all those team workouts where you're like moving that worm or carrying the sandbag running those were probably like the most painful events that i've ever had to do yeah one that i saw in the games was um have you ever had to like uh, i saw them like jumping over hay like hay bales <laughs> like that must be so painful especially yeah, in shorts so yeah, I did a competition that they had. It was at a farm. Like, it was so yeah. random. And um, the first day was at a farm. The second day was inside a gym. And they had, yeah, they had these hay bales all set up. But they had, like, short ones where, yeah, you had to, like, throw something over and then, like, jump over kind of. like Yeah, a- yeah, yeah. But then they had this massive one. You kind of had to, like, muscle up yourself over because it was, like, the workout started inside this, like, barn. And then you move out. And then you have to jump over this massive thing. And then do the small ones when I came back, my whole stomach was cut up because it was so hot. I wasn't wearing a shirt and it was like all sliced up from the hay. And also you get like the hay allergies too. Like Mm. a lot of people are allergic. Yeah. It's not fun. Not (laughs) Not a smart idea though. No, I don't know. They just love to punish. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But the next question is, who is your biggest inspiration in CrossFit? Oh, everyone likes the CrossFit questions. Um, Hmm. Good question. I used, so I was a big Annie Thor's daughter fan when I started, I actually had like a poster of her in my uh, closet, which is super weird. Like people would come over and they'd open my closet. Like, who's this like turtle ninja abs girl (laughs) in your closet? I'm like, uh, this is kind of awkward, but, (laughs) (laughs) but I really liked her story of like how she like showed up at the games when she was young and all of a sudden like was good and like how to learn to muscle up for the first time. And then she was kind of like, she was, she had had the most championships back then of like, I forget if it was two or three. So she was like the best when I started. Um, but then since then, like obviously Tia is like how she's been able to change her mindset has been really impressive. Cause like, obviously if you watch some of the older videos, like, I don't know if it was the way they portrayed her or if that actually was her mindset, but she just wasn't confident in her abilities. It seemed from external, from externally, um, when she kind of, it seemed like she had a chance to win, but she was like, Oh no, I don't think I can win. And I was like, you can't think that at that time. Yeah. I don't know if that's just how they portrayed her or what. But yeah, so I'm really inspired of how she she just seems like a different athlete since that year. Um, but then also Cara Webb, who's like came back after having a baby. I think that's so impressive because it's not like she has a husband that takes care of the baby all the time. Like he's off doing firefighting work and stuff. Like I don't think he can even come to the games with her because he has to work. Um, so to see that she's one of the fittest on earth and could have a chance of winning the games after having a baby and like literally taking care of that baby all the time too. Um, that's really impressive. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Tia, like, I wonder if her change in mindset has been anything to do with like training with Matt. Um, because I know that they've been training a lot together. So maybe, maybe that's something that's helped her. Yeah. I listened to a podcast recently of, of her and, um, they kind of asked her about some of like who she was surrounded by before. And she said, kind of, you realize who your friends aren't and are and like it kind of made me think that maybe they actually just portrayed her as like having not a great of a mindset as she did um and like maybe like the people she was around didn't believe in her and then she got surrounded by people who do believe in her being becoming the champion so i yeah i'm not really sure if uh if it really was you know like she she maybe didn't have as great a mindset then and has developed it. I'm sure she's developed it like any athlete over time, or if it was just the way she was portrayed, it's hard to say. Uh, yeah. I think support networks are key anyway, either way, like how surrounding yourself by the right people are, is, is key. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, okay, so the final question was, um, outside of sport and training, like, do you have any other hobbies that, that you uh, do? Uh, like creating content, like just taking photos and videos, like not even of myself. Like I like to do photography and video um, stuff just for fun. Uh, I usually always have a good time in new city by myself because I bring my camera. I used to do this all the time when I was younger. I bring like a film camera or just a photo camera. And by no means am I like a pro, like I don't know, I've never like studied it or anything. Um, I do some stuff actually in my business, some media stuff, but um, yeah, like I would just explore a new city by myself and take photos. Like one time I was in Toronto and I walked into like a cigar maker place and I got pictures of them making cigars and the guy toured me around just because I had this film camera. It was crazy. Um, so I like to do kind of stuff like that. I like to travel and adventure and, um, and then I just like to like play and try other sports. Um, that's always fun. Yes, I saw you do a, a kickflip uh, after lifting a, a dumbbell, I think, or <laughs> on the skateboard. That's crazy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was I'm trying to like, figure out what, I mean, that was back when, like, uh, TikTok, I feel like you got to do something unique or something. I think that was, like, when I first was getting onto TikTok. So I was like, oh, what's unique? I can do a kickflip and I can lift this weight. I feel like that's pretty rare. So. I mean, I've never seen it, so <laughs> it seems to be working. You know what's funny on my, I think I posted on Instagram, and some people, like, took it as a challenge. And so people were tagging me in their stories. Like, they were trying to do it. It was cool. But, Yeah. <laughs> we should we should try all we should try the <laughs> oh my god me on a skateboard is just oh my god. bad bad like, oh my <laughs> god i could not do it i can't even stand on a skateboard <laughs> no but yeah. other than that that's all the questions that we had for you so we uh thank you for coming on the podcast we sort of give like a uh like a brief like a couple of minutes to sort of shout out anything that you have like i know that you've covered a lot of it so if there's anything now's your time to shout it out <laughs> yeah, I think we've covered a lot of it. I mean, if you're yeah. an athlete and you're interested in the business stuff I do, uh, reach out. Um, if you just want to see like content I post, then reach out too. I think probably Instagram is the best place to connect with me, um, which is just at Natalie Allport. I'm sure you probably put in the show notes or something. Um, yeah, but yeah, otherwise, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, no worries. So the first outro in a while, uh, it's going to yeah. be rusty, but here we go. <laughs> uh, if you could please share this with your friends or someone you feel will benefit from it. And most importantly, like, subscribe, comment down below any questions uh, that you have uh, and we'll try and answer them. Um, and comment down below any topics or guests that you'd want us to get on in the future. Other than that, thanks for listening and uh, we'll see you in the next one. Bye, guys. Bye.